All right. Good morning, everybody. My name is Chris Pate. I am the lead pastor here, and you are here at a great time, not just because it's second service, you got to sleep in a little bit, maybe enjoy some brunch, but because we are starting a brand new series over the next 13 weeks called The Unshakables. We want you to be an unshakable person, but it takes some effort, takes some understanding, and some belief. Today, we also get to celebrate this weekend, and many of you are off. I know my kids are off school uh, tomorrow because of MLK weekend. Yeah, amen. That's great. We celebrate and honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and all his sacrifice and everything he did. And I love that we honor him and we admire everything that he's done. I think we should also remember why he did it. Why did he did it? Why did he do it? What was the purpose of him going through the trials, the frustrations, the tribulations to stand up to even people in the church to say we should look at everyone as God sees them in the image of God, not in different ways because of color or creed. We should honor people because that's what God does. That's why he did it. He was rooted in Christ. He was rooted in his understanding of God, and it made him unshakable. And we get to celebrate that. I think the best way to celebrate that is not just to say yay, but to also say, that's my brother, and I'm doing the same thing. I'm willing to walk, but I want to be like him in the sense of being unshakable, looking unto Jesus. That's what this series is all about, is getting to the core and the foundations of what we believe as a church. Now, you come to this church, and many people come to our church, and because we're passionate about majoring on the majors and not on the minors, there are some things I will die on the hill of, but there are people constantly getting you to die on the hill of everything. And it's not worth it. There's some things that we just suffer paper cuts for and we'll talk about. And let's reason and let's have discussion around. But I can't die on every hill. And there's people that want to pull us into every place. But there are the right hills to die on. And when you come to our church, sometimes you can be like, what is it that we're willing to die for? This next 13 weeks, we're going to tell you, these are the things we believe that you build your life on, you're willing to die for, and that is the salvation of our God, lordship, obedience, discipleship, church, family. Out of that, we have action. Out of that, we work. But those are the things that are crucial to having fundamental strength and resilience for life as the storms come, as we'll see. The idea that it's so crucial to know your fundamentals. Most of us know this. This is why we start education and school, just to get the basics, math, science, right? The basic things in order to build upon. But if you don't have the basics, you can't build upon. And today, I mean, with AI programs, right, chat, all these things where you could just get papers written and you're moving on, you have not built the foundations to be able to deal with the trials that come. Even if you have knowledge, you don't have the wisdom to be able to apply that knowledge because it's not rooted deep within you. We've seen this in our society over the past few years where, obviously, 
crazy things have happened over the past few years to change the course or to expedite the course of our world. And yet at the same time, it broke a lot of people. You have family members, you have yourself that broke under it. And, and all that's not bad, but what it, deal, it did is it didn't cause a lot of the issues. It brought them up and exposed and revealed what was there already. And now we come to a place in the new year where it's like, what do I do? I've got resolutions and I've got goals and all that. But let me say, if you don't get first things first, you can't start to build everything else. We've got to go deeper into the root. And that's what we want to help you do. One of the greatest football NFL coaches of all time. Here's a picture of him. I don't know if you know who this is. His name is Vince Lombardi. He was such a great football coach because he majored on the majors, which were the fundamentals, the essentials, the foundational work to help his players understand and dig deep into that so when things happen, they can handle it. Like the theologian Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> Those foundations keep you strong. And it's written about Vince Lombardi that every year, every year, even with a team with men half his age and twice his size, every year, they would start the year, the first practice, even after they won the Super Bowl the year before. He knows these people. They're veterans. They've won several years in a row. He begins every practice, it says, with a football in hand, and he would walk to the front of the room Everyone be silent, and he would say these famous words, gentlemen, this is a football. And the story goes that he would so stress the essentials, the fundamentals, no matter how many accolades they had. And he would hold that as if they've never seen a football before, and he would describe the importance of this pigskin, the importance of keeping your eye on the ball and holding on to the ball. He would then take them out to the field. True story. He would show them the field and he would point out the out-of-bounds lines and the end zone. This gentleman is the end zone. Then he would remind the players that the football is to go across the end zone line. And you imagine the level of humility and teachability and respect you would have for someone that would do that because part of you would be like, bro, we know. You know how many touchdowns I got last year? I know where the out-of-bounds are. I know this football. But it was so crucial to building that team to where he wanted to take them. He never wanted to bypass or assume the fundamentals, the foundation. This year, as we begin the year, we don't want to assume anything. Because many of you look at this picture this next picture, many of us look like this coming into the new year. Many of us are broken or exhausted or maybe college students, you've been with family, you have a broken family and a tough family and it's been really hard and you're reminded when you come back and you're hanging out with your family and it's tough because things just don't feel stable or secure. Maybe you've been hurt in the church because the church oftentimes can look like this depending on the church. The church is like people. It's a family of people. You have some strong ones and some not so strong ones. 
Maybe you yourself are coming in feeling like this. And maybe we have an answer to be able to help us not build wrong. We don't want to build on bad foundations or no foundations. What we want to do is build resiliency in our life. Resiliency is this capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. I don't know if you, I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of difficulties over the year. Let me give you the full definition here. Resilience is the process and outcome of successfully adapting to difficult and challenging life experiences, especially through mental, emotional, and behavioral flexibility and adjustment to external and internal demands. How many say, man, I need some resiliency? Come on. Yeah, me too. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying to yourself. That's a good thing you're in church. I don't know about you, but I need that. When stuff comes, not only the external resilience, I'm staying, I'm saying, but the internal, when, when your mind's going, quit, you're done. You can't do this. You've tried this. I need that resiliency. But let me tell you, in order to get resiliency, that flexibility, that internal strength and external strength, it starts with foundations. It starts with what are you building your life upon? Here's the takeaway for this whole, really, series. The unshakable life is built upon the unshakable rock of Jesus and his word. I, I know we as believers need this, much less people on the outside that have our life built on so many other things, whether it be our career, the advancement, whether it be a person, whether it be education, whether it be money, accolades, likes, whatever it is that we build our life on, it will come crumbling down and we need strength. But what was astonishing to me is this last fall, there was an annual uh, a study that was done by Ligonier Ministries. They do this annual state of theology and they're looking at what people believe and think about in our world and in the church, and, and, and our belief instructs our behavior. And so why are churches faltering or why are things happening? They like to get an idea, so they do these polls, and it's really amazing. They came out with this one, and it was very troubling. In fact, they said perhaps the most troubling statistics related to, listen, not what the world believes, but what just Christians believe about God. Here's what they said, 70% of those polled strongly believe, Christians, strongly agreed with this statement, 70%. Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Now, if you're going, oh, well, that's no big deal. You're in the 70%. This is, this is a, a, a problem for church history, for understanding, for doctrine. He also says that there were 51% agreed that the Holy Spirit is just this impersonal force. 43% strongly agreed, so almost half in this statement strongly agreed. God learns and adapts to different circumstances, calling it to question his omniscience and immutability. And they go on to say all this confirms what sociologists have seen in this degradation of American Christianity. Most churches, here's what it says, are making moralistic therapeutic deists, not disciples. Now, what does that mean? 
The religion of many Christians in the U.S. is moralistic, meaning this. God wants me to be a really good person. That's not any different than any other religion. And that's not the gospel message, just to be a really good person. You can be, according to how other people determine goodness, good without God, according to the definition of goodness of the world. So the idea isn't moralism, God wants me to be a good person, or therapeutic, we're not anti-therapy, but just simply therapeutic, which means God wants me to be happy. He wants me to be good, he wants me to be happy. And deistic, deistic is the belief that God is out there watching from above, but mostly disconnected from everyday life, not personal. He's just out there. That my friends, is the state of theology, is the state of the church. And I think it's not time to talk about 10 more ways to do better in life. It's time to talk about what is our rock so that we can build resilience when things happen. We are not moved. Luke 6, 46, our wonderful Savior Jesus' words say this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, And do not do what I tell you. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been built well. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, not if, but when in both occasions, the stream came, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Notice this. Both men built a house, one out of sand And one, not just out of rock like we make concrete, but the idea is that they dug deep. So many of us just want like the quick fix. How do I live my life? Okay, good. I'm going to try those three things. Give me those three things to have a great life and be successful just like you. And we want that quick fix. But here's the difference here between the two. Quick fix, look really good, outward appearance, The other one dug deep, like went in to get down to the rock, to get down to the bedrock, which takes some time of study and introspection and thinking to apply so that I know that here's the second thing we see. They both experience the same circumstances. It's not that, and don't, don't take the used cars church salesman, don't believe them, that once you, once you love God, if you just love God, everything's going to work out all the time. There's no wind and rain. You're just sheltered from everything in Jesus' name, okay? I'm not pointing out anybody at all. But everything just works out and everything's great if you just love God. That's a used car salesman. That is not scripture. It says wind and rain, storms, flood came to both, but one because they went deep. They allowed the word to saturate, to get 
deep. They, they did the word, not just heard it. They went deep. When the storms came, they were able to ride the storm out. We do not, let me tell you, it's city life. We do not promise you a storm-free life. Come to Jesus and everything's great. In fact, Jesus says, uh, you're not better than me talking to the disciples. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. You be ready. But what I'm going to do is build something so deep in you that you will not be moved by people. Because you don't build on sand. You know what sand is in Genesis 1? God made men out of dirt. Sand is building your life on people. On people's ideology, people's plans. Building on that relationship or that thing if it comes through and it will crush you. Jesus says, build it on me. My word. Because we don't promise a storm-free life, but Jesus says, I will give you a storm-proof life. Right. How many of you guys were here during Hurricane Harvey? Oh, man, do you remember day three and the rain's still coming down and you're like, this is what Noah felt like? <laughs> you, have you ever heard of a Chinese water torture where they, like, put your head back and they just drop, drop, and it goes back forever? And you, you, want, you want the water because you're thirsty, but it just keeps going and it just annoys you to death until you go insane? That's what Hurricane Harvey felt like by day three of rain, rain. is ever going to stop raining. I'm looking at my house. I'm looking out, and I'm going, are we going to make it? Some of you guys felt like that over the last two years. Am I going to make it? People are literally dying or spiritually dying. They're deconstructing, which I'm a huge fan of deconstruction, as long as you're looking to reconstruct. But it's easy to destroy something. It takes work to build something. How hard it was the past few years. It's been hard to get people back in relationship because it's like, I don't know if I could trust you because like, like the, the world is saying everybody's against you unless you believe these things. And they're demonic and evil that believe those things. And then this side says, no, no, no. It's those that are bad and evil. You have to believe these things. And then we say, but be tolerant to everybody. And it's not really working. Why? We're building on man's ideologies. What man says is good and bad and right and wrong. And what's happening? Our houses are crumbling left and right. Our lives are crumbling left and right. I say, don't judge me by my degrees, even just by my theology, but judge me by my family. Look how my family serves God. That's the real Chris at home. Okay? I'm proud my daughter is on the front row worshiping. My son's here. And I'm not saying that because I'm so awesome, but my family loves Jesus because I was not willing to sacrifice my family in the altar of ministry. Because my first disciples are to my kids, to my family. You get that right, then everything else adds to itself. It's like what Jesus said. We build on him and stuff happens and God will help us. Many of us look like this picture. The house on the right that's beat up and broken, broken down. And Jesus says, this is what I want to build in your life. So how do we do this? And what do we see out of this parable that Jesus is trying to teach us? Number one, our lives are being built 
upon a foundation. As I said earlier, it's either foundation of man or foundation on Christ. But we come into the building of our lives what my life is being formed to look like, whether it's my career, where I'm going, or it's the, the relationship that I have and the spouse that I want or the family that I want, whatever direction we're trying to build our life on something, the kind of body I want or the look that I want or the accolades I want, we're building on something, but we enter in building on some kind of foundation, whether it's sand or rock. Notice sand has multiple things. So it could be multiple things. Rock is one. And it's our worldview that we bring into life, the way we view all of the world, which is why Jesus wants us to understand the world through his eyes. That's why we get in the scripture, we understand him, we build on him the way he views the world, not the way everyone is telling us to view the world. Well, what is a worldview? James Sire in his book, The Universe Next Door, describes it beautifully. He says this, a worldview is a set of presuppositions, which, what is that? Those are assumptions which may be true, partially true, or entirely false, which we hold consciously or subconsciously, consistently or inconsistently about the basic makeup of our world, why we're here, what's going on, what's the goal, what's the purpose, and starting with the right worldview, Jesus says, here's the correct way to start, how to build your life. Start with me. Build on me. One of the famous church fathers, Augustine, says this. In a building, the foundation is first. Makes sense. Whoever then has Christ in his heart so that no earthly or temporal things, not even those that are legitimate and allowed, are preferred to him, has Christ as a foundation. But if these things are preferred, even then even though a man seems to have faith in Christ, yet Christ is not the foundation to that man. Something can seem right, but it's not right. I remember the first house I, I purchased like 20 years ago, and I was in the ministry, so I, you know, I didn't have that, that, that crazy megachurch pastor money at all. It wasn't going for that. I loved youth ministry, campus ministry, serving. Got a call from God to serve, not to get a lot of accolades, or not even to be a pastor. I didn't want to be a senior pastor, Eric. I didn't want to do it. I'm like, no thanks, I'm good. I just want to serve people. And as I'm serving, I'm a youth pastor in Abilene, Texas, and I'm looking at houses, and a realtor's taking us. We don't have a lot of money. She's taking us to different houses. We're like, yeah, but what about this? And we, we can't afford that. And you know, when you're young and married, you want what your parents have, but they've built that over 20, 30 years. You just want to fast. But if you get it, you can't handle it. and It'll crush you, right? It's called chapter 11 bankruptcy, right? <laughs> so you, you, you got to step into what you have. And so the realtor knew our money. And she's like, okay, how about this house? And she takes us to this house. And it looks really nice on the side. And she's like, it's got a discount. It's reduced price. And I'm like, man, this is kind of nice. And then we get in this one room and we start walking like this. And then she's like, full disclosure, she takes us outside. And there's these cracks throughout the brick and the foundation. And she's like, here's the deal. It's in your price range. However, you're going to have to get some work on the foundation. And so we're just, at first, I mean, to be honest, we were like, oh, man, we got this. 
it. Let's do this. This is great. I can see ministry happen. Thank you, Jesus. And then we start talking to people, and they're like, no, man, don't do it. Don't do it. Because if that's cracked, there's all sorts of things. And once they fix the foundation, then it could break the plumbing under. And then you got all sorts of other problems. And they're digging in the plumbing. They've got to do hydrostatic testing. All the kind of things that come out of it when you have to redo the foundation. Jesus says, let's start here. This is why we're starting here in the new year. This is why we're challenging you to get back to it. Some of you are like, I don't need that. I'm good. And then the first thing comes your way and you're like, I think I need that. Because as I said, we're walking in that house and it looks really great. And then you start noticing there's some cracks. And how many times have you walked in somebody's life and at first you're like, man, like right now your Sunday best. You know, you got your Spanx on. I don't wear Spanx. You got you. You're trying to look good. Like this is your best or that first day. You're trying to look good. But they don't really know the, the you in a robe at home, like no makeup, right? Hair so nappy. Moses can't part it. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't really know the real you. That's why we do small groups too, by the way, because that's the time where it's like, this is us. Sunday morning, it's easy to look really good. And people walk into your life and they're like, man, golly, you're great. And then the deeper they get, they start walking like this. Most of us don't let people get that far because we don't want them to see our weakness. And Jesus says, just build on me. Build on me. And it's the thing about the trials and the rain that's going to come, right, that no longer your foundation can be concealed because God will reveal it. How many guys over the last two years, something got revealed about you? Come on, me too. In the trial. And it's not like, oh, gosh, COVID did that. No, no, no. God God allowed something to happen to reveal so that I will deal with it now and not have to deal with it on judgment day. That's called grace. It's the grace of God when he reveals what we've concealed. And it's typically something foundational that has been off. We need a deeper foundation. And we see that. Our lives are being built upon some type of foundation. Which one is it? Number two, our foundation, as we said, will be tested. As Jesus shows, the rain's going to come. It came on both people. And many people are so afraid that this rain is going to destroy me. And this tragedy is going to enable me. And, and listen, it might do that. You might be like that crumbling house because you realize it's built on sand. But God is testing you, listen, for your good. He brings testing for your good. Not because he's mean, but because he's trying to expose. And I don't care how awesome you are, how many theology degrees you have, how great you look. There is more Jesus that you need. And in his grace, he's going, man, you think you got it, but I got so much more for you. I've mentioned this illustration a million times because my good friend C.S. Lewis said it. When we come to God, we have this shack and we have this house and we give him the key. We say, come in. And he comes in and we're so happy to have God with us. And then all of a sudden he starts breaking walls. And he starts building plumbing. 
And he starts tearing down this room and redoing it. And, and we're, oh, that hurt. Why are you doing that? What are you doing? Why are you exposing me? Why are you doing these things? And he's going, because I'm coming in. When I come in, I don't stay in a shack. I'm building a mansion. Like I'm building something in you. And it's going to hurt, but it's going to be so good. It's for your good. And you will be tested. J.C. Ryle, book called The Upper Room, the 19th century, wrote this. Quote, the restless, high-pressure hurry in which men live endangers the very foundation of personal religion. One of the tests that we have is just in our everyday life. Just the rain that comes that causes us to walk in fear. But one of the rain is not just maybe the tragedy of, of, of finances not working out like we, like we have or disease or sickness. Those are, those are huge. Those are earthquakes in our life. But some of the basic things that can erode your foundation or expose your foundation is honestly just in the everyday pace of your life. When you're in a hurry, it is impossible to hear God. I've even heard one person say that it's impossible to be a disciple of Jesus and be in a hurry. Just living this constant frantic pace is not healthy and it erodes your foundation. Another theologian says this, faith which is built on emotion is resting on a very changeable foundation. Have a spiritual high or you leave church just encouraged, but you're like, why am I encouraged? Am I encouraged because I can do it or am I encouraged because my God has done it? That's building on sand or a rock. And one is temporal and another is eternal to build resilience. We don't build on emotion. Number three, we also see in this the unshakable life can be built. This is the hope that it can be built. But you have to understand what it's built upon. 1 Corinthians 3.11, Paul says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ. We'll lay it on sand or on Christ. And what that means is the word of God is important. The things we're going to talk about, scripture, faith, baptism, the Holy Spirit, church family, discipleship, the things we're going to talk about over the next several weeks are great, but all of those are just pointing to Jesus. He is the rock. And he encompasses all of those things. And you'll never plumb the depths of Jesus. Many of us feel like, maybe I'm just weak in faith. You know, I'm, I'm pulled by the, by the world and those desires so much. And I think it's good that you recognize that. In fact, part of leading yourself well is defining reality. But then the gospel offers us hope. The worst thing you could do is not define reality, not be real with yourself. And the gospel allows us to do that. Building our life on Jesus allows us to do that. So even if you're weak in faith, here's the idea. Weak faith in Jesus is better than strong faith in anything else. Jesus says all you need is a mustard seed, and I can work with that. Aren't you thankful we have a God like that? Not climb the highest mountain on your knees backwards in the snow, and then I got you, man. I will say that. That's every other religion. Do all of these things. Jesus said, I've done these things. It is done. And that little bit of thank you, God, man, that can grow. 
so much more while everything else deteriorates. So here's the question. Those are good things we see in Scripture. As we wrap up, how do we actually build our lives on Jesus? Well, he gives us the how-to. Thank you, Jesus, for the sermon. Luke 647, as we read, he says this. Everyone who comes to me, hears my words, and does them, I will show you what he is like. He says, here's the three things you have to do to build house on the rock. Number one, come to Jesus. Now, that sounds more simple than it actually is. Now, it's simple because he's paved the way, but it's hard because we are prideful people. And oftentimes, we don't want the pavement to the relationship. We want the pavement to the benefits. I came to Jesus because I was broken and not good, and now I'm so much better. And that's a great testimony, but let me tell you, that can still be about you. Because ice cream can make you feel better. I came to Jesus because I knew I needed a savior. I couldn't fix myself. I was at the end of my rope. Another great quote by the church father, Augustine. He says this, do you wish to rise? And we say, yes, build a strong tower, Jesus. I want to rise to the highest heights. Begin by descending. Dig deep. You plant a tower that will pierce the clouds. Lay first the foundation of humility. How many Christians you you know are known for their humility? That makes me sad. You know what they believe. You know who they hate. But the humble Christianity, true Christianity, coming to Jesus always begins with humility. We sang it earlier. You sang it. We need you more than we could know. Our, Our team wrote that song, by the way. More than we could think, more than we could imagine. Coming to Jesus is a place of humility. And what's crazy about coming to Jesus is he offers that to everybody. Come unto me, all you who are weary. You're tired, you're restless, everything, you've tried everything else. Come to me, you're weary. I'll give you rest. My teaching, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Compared to everything else you're running after. What a great God we have. You know what he says to the church, not to, Pete, not to the world, but to the church in Revelation? Behold, I knock. He's talking to the church. I'm outside the door, guys. I'm knocking. If anyone will open the door and let me in, I will sup with him, which means I will fellowship. My relationship will be near and dear. Come to Jesus takes the understanding of the need. Hear his words. Now, this can sound some right now. You're like, well, I'm doing it right now. I came here. You know, it's hard to put pants on nowadays for anything, right? You could do this online. Thank you online. We were thankful you're here. <laughs> but that's, that's a conversation we have in our staff. What's, what are we doing in our services that people are willing to put pants on for? You know what I'm saying? Nowadays. God is present. He is moving. We come to Jesus, but hear his words. Listen, this is not as easy as it sounds, especially nowadays because we are so bad at hearing. I don't know about you. I'll, I'll confess my sin. I was talking to my wife. Actually, I say she was talking to me this week. 
She's, she's in the back. She'll attest. And she's saying stuff. Uh-huh. This is an illustration. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Gotcha. Are you listening to me? Yeah, yeah, totally. I got, I got you. I got you. And then, no, then I, it happened. I asked her a question that she just talked about. No other wives have ever experienced this in your life. And she said, you weren't listening because I just said that. And I said, yeah, what had, what had happened was uh, someone was texting and uh, I'm doing ministry, girl. You know, like. But we listen with our eyes and our face, not our ears. When, when you come to Jesus, you have to now hear him, listen to him. Most of us. Yeah, Jesus, got you, man. Totally, got you. And we walk away unchanged. You know why we do that, though? And even our society, why we're so relationally inept? Because it's real hard if I look at someone in the face. What I'm afraid of is they're going to see me. I'm going to be known. I'm going to be exposed So it's easy to talk to people like this, but to give my full attention, to look at someone with intent and even active listening, you have somebody tell a story and there's like, but you're like, yeah, oh, ah, yeah. Active listening, that shows care, attention. And listen, it's hard because we don't want people in. And listen, we don't want Jesus in. This is where you might not, you might have heard one of those stats that we just talked about, about the Holy Spirit not being personal and God being like deism and being out there, but not close and near. And listen, you might say, oh, that's horrible. I can't believe people believe that. But then we functionally act like that. Christians are the worst at knowing doctrine against atheism, but practically being atheists. Because what I know, Jesus has come to me, but what I actually do, I'm not listening intently. And James warns us, those who hear the word only and don't do it, deceive themselves. This is so scary. Like, I've been deceived. This, this week, I had to take my son's car to Christian Brothers. They ain't Christian. I'll tell you that. Uh, at least not this, maybe the state of theology Christian they are, but my goodness, I know, I mean, they were so nice, they smiled, and I, and I realized after, they were laughing at me, not smiling at me in kindness, because I looked up how much they charged me, I was like, oh gosh, I wish I knew more about cars, because they probably doubled my, my no, no, Christian brothers, love you if you work there, God bless you, you too can be saved, but <laughs> I was deceived, and that is frustrating, And scripture says there's no worse deception than self-deception because here's the deal. You don't know you're deceived. I'm hearing the word, but I'm not doing it. It says you're deceiving yourself. Jesus says you're still building on sand because you won't come to Jesus, look him in the eyes, dig deep foundations. You won't because you're afraid if he really saw everything about you and everybody saw and I was exposed to everybody. If, If my worst sin was projected right now, I would be so ashamed that I could never show my face here again. You know what the gospel says, though? Jesus says, bro, I already know it all. And I died for you. Like, I, I, I'm knocking. I come to you. 
What are you going to hide? And so he says, look at me. Listen. Look here with your eyes, with your whole self. And it's so crazy. When you actually do that, listen. You start looking at him, and it gets your mind off yourself or that man-made thing, or that thing, and in relationship with him, you see the love, the passion, and now you're starting to look at his righteousness, and, and you start to look like him, and you take on his righteousness because he took on your sin and your unrighteousness, and I'm focused on that, and now desire starts to come, and I want to be more with you because I've brought my whole self to you, not my partial self. Come to Jesus. Hear Jesus. Do what he says. The doing part can be hard and trivial because it's like, I don't know what to do. Well, yeah, you do. You're thinking like this. Let's just next step. Next step. In fact, we're going to be doing a challenge called the Purple Book Challenge. And it's a book that we're going to get for free. We budget it. And on the side right here, if you go out this side uh, to your right, you'll see a bunch of these cards that say, I'm taking the challenge. This year, I'm believing for 500 people to go through the Purple Book, which is a biblical foundations book. And some of you have never done it. Some of you have done it. You're like, I've done that. Do it again. Because we want to be doers. And it starts by doing something, not just listening and moving on. We want to challenge you. If you go and get one of these cards and take it to City Life Center right here in the front, get it's free book, free book. We're all about investing into you and helping you. In our, in our small groups, we're going to be talking about this. In our micro groups, through men and women's ministry, we're going to talk, be talking about this. D.A. Carson says it this way. The foundation of all Christian life is what God has already done. And Paul makes it clear that all Christians are asked to do is to live out the consequences of God's saving act. Isn't that great? It's not that you're doing it. He's already done it. And as I look at him, as I come to him, as I listen with my eyes and with my intent and dig deep, then I start to do it and I feel empowered because he's gone before me. This is the Christian life. Come to Jesus. Humble yourself. Hear him. Bring your whole self. Listen. Get in his word. Get in community. Can't do it alone. And start doing what he's asking us to do. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you, God, in this room that you are great. God, you're greatly to be praised. You're worthy of everything. And as our worship team gets ready and we're going to end with some worship, I just want to encourage you with your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a sense of, of privacy for yourself between you and God nobody else right now have you come to Jesus have you humbled your heart can you truly sing I need you more than I know are you listening to him because if you hear his gospel it's not something to be achieved but something to be received in that humble state, you receive anything. And he comes and gives you a new life. He opens the door and comes in. And then 
the, one of the greatest things that many Christians miss out on is not just the feeling and the, the trueness of being adopted into a family of God, but now being on mission with Jesus as he helps you reach other people doing the word of God. I don't know where you are. Maybe you need to start this humility this morning. Just, okay, I'm, I'm willing to receive Jesus. I recognize my need. Maybe you're going, man, I, I, I need to get serious this year about listening and hearing really without all the distractions and the sand and dirt. Maybe you're going, man, I, I, I'm kind of doing that. I've been doing that. I've been there. But I know I'm not doing. I, I'm focused on not doing bad, but I'm not doing what God's called me to do on mission. Wherever you are, this is our time, even as we worship and get ready to talk to the Lord and commune with him.